Hello, welcome to Locked In. You're in the dining room studio with Dave. We're back. It is the end of round two. What a round. I mean, don't expect anything less at this point of the season. Absolute craziness. There's a whole lot to get through. I think I really want to start with the awards because I love awards and come up with some, well, one creative one and a couple of pretty standard ones, but let's just get right to it. The Hats Off Award can only go to one person, and maybe this is a bit of a personal selection, but Max Gorn, wow. Absolutely wow. We'll talk a little bit about the idiots that suggested that this guy should be traded, the people that traded him, who they traded him to, and all of that absolute utter nonsense. And if you did trade him, oh my God, Unless it was for one of the tiny, insignificant, minuscule reasons that maybe we could let you off. But if you traded him for any reason other than... No, there is no reason. Actually, I'm retracting the previous podcast. There's absolutely no reason to trade him. Wow. I Not only did I not trade him, I actually captained him. So it's a bit of a... It's definitely... It's a lot of love for Max, for me. What a score. 184 points. Dominated Carlton. There's nothing else to say. Amazing effort. Absolutely amazing effort. There are there are a couple of honourable mentions here. There's one that I'll get to in a second that's in another award category, but he definitely deserves to be mentioned now, and that's Matty Rao. Lockie Neal did Lockie Neal things and looks like he's going to continue doing Lockie Neal things, and hopefully you listened... You know, I don't like, I don't, it's not a taunt, a taunt, it's not a horn tooting thing, but, you know, we we talked about Lockie Neal last week and how he's got four games in a row at the Gabba. He should come out the other side averaging 130. If he keeps playing like this, he's going to average 150. Absolutely dominated. Good to watch. He probably, I think it's weird. One thing I definitely noticed watching in these shortened quarters and then extrapolating the scores out is that it doesn't feel like some of these guys are having as big a games as they're actually having supercoach-wise. But uh, what a game. Huge game from Lockie Neal. Matty Rao, yeah, we'll talk about him in a sec. The last two honourable mentions, one is Toddy Goldstein, who is just you know quietly working away in the top 10 ranked scorers. A huge selection if you, if you did manage to get away from Gorn or Grundy or... Even Rowan Marshall, that is an absolute tank of a selection at the moment. But yeah, Toddy, fantastic round from him. And I think the good Ruckman are shining, and we'll talk about that in a second as well. The last guy is Mark Pitnett. I mean, in a game where you give up 184 points to Max Gorn, he manages to go out and put up 136, I think, himself. Huge effort from him, and he's one that I think he probably moves past Sam Naismith purely on durability, but by the look of it, his break-even is a little bit less, about 20 grand less, and his, uh, his break-even is going to be, well, maybe a little bit more, a little bit lower. We'll, have a, we'll talk about that in a second. So that's hats off. Hats off to Maxi Gorn. What a round. You deserve it. King of Supercoach at the moment. What a beast. What a beast. And it was, oh, it made so much, so much more tasty because of all the people that traded him out. Talk about that in a second. Next award is my Sincere Apology Award because although I do get some things right, there are still many things that I get wrong. And one of them is Matthew Rowell. Now, 
I didn't have him the start of the season. I didn't have him in round one. After his round one score of 80 and getting a little bit of a closer look at him up against the bigger bodies, it was hard not to bring him in as a corrective trade after round one. And boy, am I happy that I did that because Matty Rowe decided to go out and put up 171 points. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say surely that is the highest ever second-round score from a rookie, whether that's mature age draft. I don't think Pods or... Don't think Michael Barlow managed to put up that high score ever, maybe even, but certainly not in his second game. Wow, big things to come from him. We talked about it, again, I'm going to say probably this 10 times, but we talked about this in the last podcast where we were really seriously considering him as a D7 or 8 for basically the whole year. And if he plays like that, he is not going to be going anywhere because there are certainly, in my team, so many more problems to deal with that don't relate to a guy scoring 171 in D... Well, was he in D6? Whew. Now, this 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 is where I get a little bit annoyed, a little bit frustrated. The tone's going to change a little bit. I was working... If somebody can come up with a better acronym for this, I'd really appreciate it. And I should actually say, like, if I had recorded this on Sunday after the game, I lost my cash league by eight points because of these two of these fuckers, but one of them in particular, who you can't select, but who manages to fuck your team anyway because he coaches the two of these fuckers. Anyway, it's going to be an explicit podcast. and I'll put that in the description. This is the frankly unacceptable casual karma affecting Danish. And this Danish, this fucked Danish, is going to Luke fucking Beverage. What a fucking idiot. That is all I'm saying, I don't think I've been that frustrated. I think the only time I tweeted on Sunday was in about maybe the third quarter. It might have even been the second quarter. And I'm sitting, watching this game, waiting to see Dunkley, Bont, and McRae at a centre bounce together, as they should be 80% of the time. And if it's not 80% of the time, it should be two of them. Now, Bailey Smith playing really good footy. No doubt. Disposal, I didn't really like a whole lot of what he did coming out of the middle. You've got three, three fucking Lambos, three Ferraris, three whatevers sitting in the garage, and you're too fucking stupid to put them in the middle together? What the fuck? Yeah, okay, so I was really upset Sunday. Really upset. Like, to the point where I was like, how are the... Doggy's playing this fucking badly. And, oh, so upset. Because I, look, along with a lot of other people, I expected the dogs to have, no, I'm not even going to put a little, I'm not glassing over this whatsoever. I thought the doggies were going to have a really good year. They should have a really good year. This isn't the same doggies teams of two, three, four, five years ago, even though they won a flag in 2016. This isn't the uh, bunch of similar players. They've got some really good pieces in this team. They've got Keith. They've got Bruce. They've got Norton. They've got some good core players, and they should not be being beaten by the Saints so comprehensively to the point where, basically, McRae 
and Bont have all they need to do is one more tackle each and I, w I win my cash league. That's what all this boils down to, this frustration. I lose my fucking cash league because these two... Oh, okay, I'm done. That's enough. The fucked Danish award goes to Luke Beveridge. And oh my God, if I see fucking Jack McRae on a wing next week, I'm going to fucking lose it. I was trying to find his Twitter to kindly ask him what coaching strategy he's fucking employing here. Unfucking believable. Oh, okay. Now that that's done, and I'm sure there are some other Bont and McRae owners out there that are just as frustrated. Maybe not, but maybe just as frustrated. Rookie Romance. Now, this is obviously an easy one. It's, it's certainly Matty Rowell all day, every day, but there are two other guys that deserve a little bit of love. One of them, hopefully most people have, and that is, and I'm going to call him by the wrong name here, but I think it's Braden Stasevich. What a game from that young fella. Talk about a guy who stuck his hand up. I put him on the bench mainly because he had, you know, I think he had a 48 or a 42 or a 28. He had a 28 in week one. So I was like, oh, he's not somebody I really want to risk. John Nobles, you know, he's going to be okay. Brander coming. So I put little Stasevich on the bench and he comes out and drops a 99, which again, Brandon Stasevich, which would have easily won my cash league if I had put him in place of any of the three, even if I had fielded him instead of Daniel Houston, who I'm not as annoyed about. I don't know why. So Stasevich, great job, son. And the other one, the other uh, rookie romance that I have currently is Curtis Taylor. I don't know why I had to pause to look at that because I was trying to find his first name, that's why. Had another good round, 78. He is doing extremely well, really happy with his output. And he's, look, he's going to make some serious cash super quickly. Love the consistency. Could have given it to Max King, who's 77, which was pretty reasonable. Uh, did like Trent Rivers' game, first game for 62. He actually looks really good. He's one we need to get in uh, ASAP. Oh, God, I'm so frustrated at the fucking dogs. Oh, my God. All right. Let's move on before I have a stroke. Let's go talk about cash gen really quick. I think the, we got back to two trades this week, depending on how many you used last week. Actually, it doesn't even matter how many you used last week. I think I am probably looking at maybe using one this week, um, and that's purely on Mark Pittnet. Obviously, pre-teams, if there's some sort of disaster when teams get released then i'll see if i need to address that but hopefully i held on to uh georgiades and i held on to sturt so hopefully both of them come back in uh if they don't eh, might have a tiny little problem but i've got enough flex in my midfield that i could maybe swing one in but yeah your key 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 priority this week is obviously cash gen and cash cows and break-evens and blah, blah, blah. If you don't have Supercoach Gold, then uh, oh, maybe I'll just post this up for anybody that doesn't have it. But your key targets are Matty Rao, Curtis Taylor, Sam Sturt, if he plays. Pitnet, I really like. I think he... If we talked about Naismith being a potential R3, Pitnet is absolutely worth uh, buying and bringing in at R3. And then the standards. Pickett, who didn't play that well. Justin McInerney, Max King, Connor Buderick, Dan Butler, who nobody is going to select. Congratulations if you did or have. And then Georgiades, Stasovic, Cameron, 
Naismith, Brander, Brown. As long as you have got the key rookies, then I think you're well under control. The next one you probably want to focus on, Trent Rivers definitely looks like a player and he's got a negative 18 break even off his 62. If he can average around that sort of 55-60, he's going to be valuable. But I think what makes him more important is his ability to be switched with Stasevic. So if you bring, if you've got Stasevic in your defense and you bring Rivers into your midfield, you can then flick them back and forth. So I think definitely worth picking up is young Trent Rivers. Looks like he should be named. I mean, the D's played. Played well for a quarter and then really averaged for three. But Rivers looks like one that we're going to probably need to get in. All right, where do we want to move to next? Let's talk about... What is that one? Uh, Primo's underperforming. Yeah, well, I yelled and screamed about that. I think I wrote this before Sunday. There are plenty of underperforming Primo's, of which I have. I seem to have all of them. Uh, it's the only thing really dragging my team down. I seem to have like a couple of really good performances, but then I've copped Sicily, Houston, uh, McRae, Kelly, Bont, Whitfield, maybe not underperforming, but still under his price, and Dustin Martin. Yeah, at the end of the day, these guys, I think the one point I want to get across is I will never, ever trade a primo, especially not at this time. In a normal season, I would never do it purely because we need those trades. 30 trades over a 23-round season, you absolutely need every trade. And going sideways, which a lot of people are doing, I think because they have, they think they have this kind of... There's a wealth of trades and they can just fucking burn them left, right and centre. Five, two, two, blah, blah, blah. This isn't AFL fantasy. It requires a little bit more strategy, a little bit more depth of thinking. Definitely don't trade Marcus Bontempelli... Jack McRae, Josh Kelly. I mean, the the rate that people traded Gorn, they'll probably trade Grundy this week because he only scored 115. Don't trade Whitfield. Don't trade Martin. These guys will bounce back. And I'm, I'm seriously not worried. Uh, although frustrated now, I'm not worried that um, McRae, Dunkley and Bont will be in the top 10, top 12 midfielders at season's end. They will come good. And it's such it's a rage thing. And if there was any ever a time for me to do that, I would have done it Monday morning. But it's the last thing I want to do because those are guys that I want in my team come round seventeen or come round to twelve. The only reason you're ever going to trade a primo is if they're injured. And even then, I would do my best to hold on to them because we've got some pretty reasonable rookie stocks in the middle. The issues that we have, I think, certainly I'm having are in defence in the forward line because I have not got the right guys. Sicily and Houston are not doing what they need to. Doherty, who I brought in last week, yeah, 93, that's for his price point, that's fine. I can live with that. Not getting the score. I didn't get a score out of Martin, 97 out of Whitfield. I think part of that is I expected the Dogs and GWS to win because winning Supercoach teams score well. When teams like this, when you have players that are playing in losing teams and not playing well, Oh, man, it really impacts their scoring. Like the teams that won, you see those great scores. I mean, look at, I mean, Matty Rowe's a great example of that. The teams that are kind of middling, I mean, Houston should be scoring well. That one's just, I'm holding him too, by the way. He's another one. I'm in it. I've bought him. I'm riding him for the year. If he ends up being my D6 and losing 100 grand, fuck it. You know, I, I'm pissed that I got sucked into him. 
It happens every year. There's always one selection that you're going to regret. I'm pissed I got sucked into him, but like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to sideways him. I, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it now. I'm, going, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to worry about upgrading around him so that when he drops a 60, I've got other scores that make him not look as terrible so that hopefully he does bounce back. He's playing in the midfield. He's running around a little bit like chicken with his head cut off, following the ball. I think they want him there. Let's just see what happens. You know, I'm, I'm willing to ride this one out for a little bit longer. The next thing I want to talk about is the ruck. And I think a lot of people hopefully learn a lesson this week. And that is just because you're a ruckman doesn't mean you're going to be a premium. And I think there are a whole lot of, whole lot of content out there. And I think even I said, look, it is worth looking at uh, extra ruckman. I even talked about Darcy Ford. John Segler's one that I was thinking about. But... What I think we learned this week is generally it's premium Ruckman are going to score premium points. You only have to look as far as Soldo to realise that Jacobs just isn't going to work in the long term and vice versa. When they're rucking against good Ruckman, they're going to get beat. And all of those people that traded Jacobs to uh, gone to Jacobs, who are now trading <laughs> Jacobs to Pitnet must be absolutely beating their heads against the wall. Can you imagine trading down to Jacobs, who drops like a 65? Then you go and watch Gorn get 184. <laughs> and then the next week, you trade Jacobs to Pitnet. So you've gone, <laughs> it's crazy shit. I can't believe it. Oh, I can't believe it. The only trade you want to be making right now, the decision you want to make, if you don't have Naismith or Pitnet, is which one you do you bring in. I am obviously I'm leaning Pitnet. Loved what I saw. I watched that whole game, Carlton versus Melbourne, with Luke for his birthday. They couldn't get the job done again. One day we're gonna we're gonna watch another win. I think we've seen one. We've seen Gold Coast beat the Suns. It's not a bad stadium if you haven't been up to Metricon when things are. Back flourishing again. It's worth a trip up there. They got popcorn. Anywhere that's got popcorn, I'm, I'm super happy with. So I think Pitnet is definitely the better option. I mean, Naismith's already proven that he's not. I mean, this is a guy who couldn't stay fit 10 weeks with a 10-week break. So Pitnet's going to be fighting for his spot. Cruises out for a little while longer. Realistically, we only need him for another five weeks-ish. He needs to play five weeks. And as long as he can battle at his price with 134 in his cycle for three weeks, I mean, he is now priced. Let me just get my little thingy up. If he drops an 86, which is quite possible, he'll rise by almost 60,000. And then he'll get another big boost the week after. So he's definitely worth it. I think the trade itself is probably going to end up making you about 150 grand plus. So Pitnet is in my team right now. Barring any team-related drama. Okay, that's all that covered off. <sighs> I was going to talk about defense. I'm not going to talk about it. Let's talk about forwards. I think there are two forwards that I really like. And to go back to what we were sort of talking about before around teams uh, scoring well in teams that are losing, there are two guys that are doing that, uh, or average teams. One is Michael Walters, no surprise. One of last year's popular selections. He's playing in around the ball. He's looking good. He's clean. He's tough. He tackles. He wins contested football. Really like what he does. He's one that I am certainly targeting. He's on my watch list for that's one of my spots in the forward line. 
The other one, as much as I just went on a massive rant about the Bulldogs and how much they're driving me crazy and how much I want this guy out of the midfield so the guys that I have in my team can get into the midfield, Bailey Smith does look good. He looks tough. They obviously like him. I mean, how long he stays and gets as much opportunity as he does while they're getting fucking trashed every week, I don't know. But at the moment, he is absolutely looking like somebody you want to have in your team. And the other three guys I've written down here, Jai Simkin, he looked good again. North, man, North do it every year. Every year you think, ah, oh, that's, that's like, you look at that list and you think, apart from Goldstein, maybe Ben Brown, they don't really have a whole lot of real solid talent. This kid looks really good. We talked, I think, I'm going to say I talked about him preseason and maybe even after round one. He put up another 100. He's certainly a viable option. I think he's about 388 at the moment, looking reasonable. Christian Petrarca saw, again, watched that whole game, saw a lot of him. He, Him and Bailey Smith play a pretty similar game, in and around the footy, explosive, big body. So I really like those four guys. And Connor Rosie, holy shit, talk about second-year player. Loved what he did on the weekend. Far out. And Adelaide too. Oh, man. Especially after all that Tex Walker bullshit. Like, Tex, somebody tweeting him, telling him, uh, you know, they should give up. Adelaide supporters should give up their share of the 2,000 seats because they're going to leave at three-quarter time. And they probably did anyway. <laughs> uh, Adelaide are fucked. I hate Adelaide. So, Connor Rosie, it was good to see him beat the shit out of them for another 140-something. He is looking phenomenal. Loved what he did. So Connor, definitely worth looking at. I think of the five of Walters, Simpkins, Smith, Petrarca and Rosie, I'd probably go Walters one, Petrarca two, Smith and Simpkin tied for third and then Rosie for fourth. That's I'm going to sit on the fence like a, like a little whip. I'm going to sit on the fence because I don't think I could split Simpkin and Smith. Yeah, they're both young and I'm just worried that they might get pulled out, lose a little bit of uh, time in the midfield, but they're both playing exceptionally well now. Bailey Smith, as I said, my worry is that they move him and give him less time because they're getting beaten, and um, Luke Beveridge wakes the fuck up and realises he's got three of the best midfielders in the competition, and maybe they should start around the ball. Ugh. Uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm, I'm, before I work myself into an absolute tizzy, I'm gonna we're gonna do one more thing. And then we're done. One more thing. The last thing I want to do is... it was it, This was geared around Dan Houston, but it was a little bit to talk about the consistency of defenders because defenders, you're going to start to see a pattern, and that is, for most of them, they have these good score, bad score rotations. And I wanted to talk about three guys from last year and then talk about one guy who's doing amazing stuff still. Super solid. Never gets talked about. I think he gets talked about at all Australian time, and that's about it, but never seems to get much Supercoach love, which is weird. If he played for another team, I bet he would. And then we're going to talk about Jordan Degoe because I want to talk about Jordan Degoe because that's going to be fun, and I'm in a bad mood, so let's just do that. So in terms of defenders, I saw a lot of things about Rory Laird, and a lot of people uh, did obviously select him. He was pretty good value. He was in my team at all various stages through the preseason. He will get better when Adelaide gets better. The problem is how long is it going to take for Adelaide to get better until he gets better? That's, that's the issue. As long as Adelaide is shit, he's going to be shit, unfortunately. He used to be above that, and I've, maybe I'm just blinded by 
you know, Adelaide scoring, him scoring well and not really noticing how well Adelaide were playing. But it didn't seem to matter when Adelaide were losing or lost games that he still found a way to score well. He doesn't seem to be doing that currently. So if I was a Laird owner, I think it's a luxury trade right now to sideways premiums. You Surely you've got other issues. Uh, that would be my... And one of them being conserving trades. So I would not be trading Rory Laird. I think you have to sit with me in the Dan Houston Rory Laird boat and we have to ride out these two shit Adelaide players. I know they're different teams, but they're both from the state, of the city. Um, so last year, Zach Williams, after four rounds, averaged 84. Dane Rampey, after three rounds, averaged 90. And Sicily was on 90 after two rounds. The reason I say those three players and those three stats is because they're all on very similar numbers. Now, Sicily at the moment, I know this because I hate it and I own him. He's averaging a few less than, he's averaging 83, but he ends up becoming you know, a top 10 defender. Same with Rampy, same with Williams. They were all outside of the top 10 after the first few rounds. And you're gonna have to cop that, I think, for some of these guys. Will Dan Houston bounce back and be a top 10 defender? That's that's a big question. I don't think he will. Probably top 15. If he can squeeze in top 15, I can live with that. But these other guys, I say that because I don't want you trading out your premiums. And it seems to be one of the most popular things to do at the moment is to react to a score and chase another score. And we could talk about how well uh, little Viney did this week as well with his little 86 for all those that traded premiums for him and made like 50 grand and are now staring at, let me just do this. I'm in a really vengeful mood tonight. Pissed off day. He made 47,000 and his break even is, why does this make it so difficult? Stupid bullshit. Why is Supercoach so difficult? I don't understand. Oh, his break even is two. So yeah, he'll probably he'll he'll make another thirty forty thousand, but he's not going to get he's not going to achieve what you needed him to achieve, which is to be d six. There are better options. I don't shouldn't have traded him. I'm I'm in a bad mood. All right, the last one. Oh, the last thing I wanted to talk about in terms of actual defenders. God, I'm going on all over the place. There are two guys that I did really like. Uh, Dane Rampey, who I just talked about, super consistent. I really, really liked his game against my boys. And he, Sydney backline, I mean, you saw what Lloyd did on the weekend. He actually, just to talk about my cash league one more time, he actually is probably the reason why I lost it in terms of a negative score against me because he put up 145. But Dane Rampey, he's ticking over, doing it again. Uh, no reason why I wouldn't select him. Super solid. He seems to, I think it's a bit of a combo. He finds the ball, obviously has those contested possessions in the defensive 50, but he does take intercept marks as well. So, you know, he's cruising. He had an 86 in round one, 190, 190 149 in round two. And that's what you're going to see, I think, flow through the year. Like you'll have his... 75s and 80s and 85s, but he'll have his 110s and 120s. So you a bit more... I guess what I'm saying is you can't rely on a, a low standard deviation for defenders 
And that's why you need to fill those rookie spots because I can't have Cumming and Noble and Brander dropping 50s and 47s and 41s. I need some stability. And that's where you'll get it in Dean Rampey and Tom Stewart, who, again, last time I'm going to say this, we talked about last week, three more games at HGMHBA, super consistent, 74 as a low score over his last like 25 games. He is probably target number one. I really like him. Him, Rampy. I don't mind Nick Haynes. He's, he's getting there. It's a bit of a weird one. He's been around since 2012. He's kind of been there. It looks like he's building some more consistency. Maybe that's because guys like Shaw aren't taking away as many of his possessions, but he's certainly one I'd be looking at too, but maybe wait a couple more weeks. I think if I was bringing in a defender, it would be Tom Stewart and Dane Rampey. Those are my two. Absolutely. All right. Uh, last thing, Jordan Degoe is overrated. <laughs> if Jordan Degoe isn't the most overrated player in the AFL, overhyped or over anything, whatever you want to call it, all you have to do is look at the Friday or the Thursday night game to see that. He was ridiculously horrible with his disposal. Didn't even realize I think he was in the midfield half the time. And I put out a tweet and I... <laughs> I think I got I got a couple of DMs, which doesn't happen often because Collingwood supporters are really protective over this guy. He's not that good. There, are, I, as I said, or oh, just drop my pen. One take, one take operation. As I said in the tweet, there are probably five guys I'd take before him. I'd certainly take. I'd be paying Bailey Smith, Jai Simkin, Matty Rowe, Connor Rosie. Uh, there's probably I could probably rattle off 10 more names that I would take before Jordan Degoe that have better skills, probably better ceilings. This, like, this... Uh, I think part of it is playing for Collingwood and then the other part is, well, playing for Collingwood and then Collingwood supporters, like, hyping him up. He's a... He's fucking stupid. Anyway, all right, that's it. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I just lost every Collingwood supporter from my 208 followers. Have a good week, everybody. We'll be back. Uh, actually, let's have a look at that. Let's check that out. Again, one take operation. Is there a Thursday night game? I think there is. Oh, it's Richmond again. Richmond Hawthorne Thursday night. Uh, I will attempt to be back on Thursday evening. So we've got Wednesday night teams. So make sure you have a think about your trades now, what you want to do. Don't trade any premiums. Think about cash generation. Make sure you've got the rookies covered. And then worry about what you do with this R3 Sitcho. I'm thinking Pitnet is my go-to. And then I will put something up on Thursday night before the game launches and we can talk a little bit about teams. Hopefully teams don't fuck us too badly and we can keep some of these rookies, keep the momentum, build the cash, and then we will realistically probably only be about two or three rounds away from culling some of these bad boys and building our teams into supercoach powerhouses. You have a good Wednesday, a good Thursday, a good whatever, um, yeah, whatever day, and I will see you Thursday evening. Take care, and apologies again for the swearing. It was quite an emotional Western Bulldogs Collingwood frustrating podcast. I'll do better next time. Bye.